You're listening to High Temperature Times, Harbison Walker International's refractory podcast. My name is Griffin Patterson, and I'm an application specialist with HWI. While refractory technology is a highly engineered field with a lot of knowledge behind it, at the end of the day, it's an industry of labor. And just like any other industry where labor is involved, HWI puts great effort into keeping its employees and customers as safe as possible. Last year, we spoke to this a little bit with our episode on the Mule R, a lift assist device for bricklayers in the steel and other industries. But this month, we'll be looking at other technologies and offerings from HWI that help make the refractory insulation process more ergonomic and more efficient. To do that, we'll be speaking with steel marketing manager, Mark Smith. But before we dig into that, we've got a good question from our technical marketing inbox. As always, if you have a question that you'd like to ask on the podcast, reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com and use the subject line podcast. This month, we've got a question from James Hall. Do I need to account for permanent linear change in brick too? First, thank you for the question. It's a good one, despite many thinking that the answer is super obvious. The obvious answer is that you generally do not need to account for PLC in fired products like bricks or precast shapes, because they've already seen high temperatures that lead to permanent linear change in the brick firing process. However, that's only true up until you exceed the temperature that the bricks were fired at. If the bricks were put into a furnace that reaches temperatures much higher than those firing temperatures, they can undergo further size changes. This could be as simple as higher densities, meaning the bricks just get the tiniest bit smaller. Or sometimes they could undergo mineralogical changes that lead to more significant size changes, such as we see with brands like Cruzite 70. These changes aren't so drastic that you need to redesign your whole vessel, but it's a neat little tidbit that can sometimes be worth considering. If you'd like to discuss PLC of fired shapes, feel free to reach out to us further through our technical marketing inbox. And thank you again, James, for the question. Anyways, as I mentioned earlier, HWI is constantly developing new products and offerings to make installations more efficient and more ergonomic. To do that, I have Mark Smith with me here today. Thanks for joining, Mark. Thanks, Griffin. It's good to be here. So let's uh, let's kick it off with a little bit of an introduction. Yeah, I've joined uh, HWI, have had 33 years plus uh, with the company, and have worked in a number of different areas from engineering to sales to marketing to technical specialist within the company. And currently I handle all our functional products, uh, which are basically anything where we're taking standard products, for example, brick and or monolithics, and combining them to make a unique product that serves a specific need for the customer. Last year, we spoke with VIS manager Tony Brewer and Chris Riddell from Construction Robotics regarding HWI's ergonomic bricklaying assist robot, the Mule-R. For those that haven't listened to the episode, the Mule-R is a lift-assist device with a vacuum gripper that allows bricklayers to handle and lay multiple refractory little bricks at a time with near zero effort. While this device has shown incredible promise for those working in the steel industry, HWI has continued trucking forward and identified a myriad of additional opportunities where its benefits can be realized. Last year, Chris mentioned in her talk that fire clay or alumina compositions don't typically lend themselves to being picked up using the standard vacuum attachment due to the higher level of porosity of the bricks compared to the resin bonded bricks used in the steel industry. While it's certainly been a hurdle, HWI and Construction Robotics have continued to work on the challenge with new and improved grippers. Also, in industries where HWI's large format shapes are required, such as the glass industry, the Mule-R is being looked at to greatly minimize the refractory insulation times typically required. Lastly, for our cremation industry, HWI has truly put the customer first by supplying near-turnkey refractory solutions on a single pallet through the efforts of our global sourcing centers. 
The Mjolnir has shown promise in improving ergonomics and increasing efficiencies to help repalletize materials to supply to the cremation industry. So while we'll be focusing on other offerings this month, know that the Mjolnir is truly at the forefront of refractory installations and improvement in installation ergonomics. However, while utilizing mechanical advantages like gunning robots and lift assist devices are important and downright amazing, improving ergonomics and increasing efficiency doesn't always require the shiniest toys or the newest technology. Sometimes people can identify solutions that require nothing but a different way of thinking. When you limit someone's design capacity to nothing but their creativity, you can get some of the most incredible precast and assembled brick designs that you've ever seen, and they definitely find their way into a good many industries. So for the sake of sticking to the scope of refractory ergonomics, I'm going to have to limit Mark to only a handful of them. Why don't we kick it off with starter rings? Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yes, Griffin. Uh, when lining a ladle, starting off the brick for the sidewall coming up off the bottom typically requires the use of some special brick shapes. For example, you have starter sets and tilt-back brick. The laying of the initial courses of brick requires that the bricklayer has to be working on his knees and bent over. What HWI has done is to incorporate the special brick shapes and the lower courses of the sidewall into one complete unit that can be lowered and placed into the ladle with a special lifting jig that HWI designed. In addition to reducing the installation time, the use of the preformed starter ring eliminates the need to have bricklayers working bent over and on their knees. After the ring is placed in the ladle, they can start laying brick in a more ergonomic friendly body position. The initial design was based on a precast starter ring, but now we offer the starter rings that are either precast, pre-assembled brick, and also a combination of precast and brick to better meet our customers' demands and needs. So what happens to the epoxy once the unit is lit? And I mean, why would we just stick the bricks together with a mortar? Mortar doesn't have the strength that the epoxy does. And since, the, like a brick starter ring, typically weighs about 6,000 pounds. So the, if you tried to just mortar the brick together, they're more than likely going, you know, you would not have enough strength where the epoxies we use um, are typically stronger than the brick. If you try to break it, typically you'll break the brick instead of the epoxy at, at the joint, like the brick joint. So they're real, real strong epoxy. So they're allowed uh, when handling, uh, they have the strength to be able to hold everything together. But then what they do is uh, the epoxies that we use are typically will burn out around 400, 450 degrees primarily. So they're really just to hold it during the installation and the handling portion. But most of the brick that you lay in a ladle, like in a ladle sidewall, the Comanche brick, you don't mortar those anyways. Uh, those are dry laid. And I, I imagine for the example of brick starter rings epoxy together, that we're not just having a bunch of guys at our plant putting these together on the floor, just shifting the ergonomics issue from site to plant, right? Yeah, that's a good question. You are correct. At HWI, the safety of our employees is just, and teammates is uh, one of our core beliefs. When we make a pre-brick starter ring, we have incorporated engineered solutions to improve the ergonomics of the assembly process. This includes specially made mandrels that not only ensure the correct sizing and specifications for the ring, but also put the assembler in an ergonomically positive working position. In addition, we also take special precautions in the staging of the brick in the assembly process. 
And similarly, I know that we offer precast ladle bottoms. Why is this more efficient than just casting it on site? Well, Griffin, uh, precast ladle bottoms were one of the first applications to incorporate ergonomic considerations. In the past, the most common method was to line the ladle bottom with brick. This involved working on your hands and knees to lay all the brick over the bottom of the ladle. This also involved having to have the pallet of brick in the ladle, making the job even more difficult. It also requires the workers to get out of the ladle each time a new pallet of brick needed to be brought in, resulting in increased installation time and workers having to go up and down the ladder multiple times. In the past, some ladles did have bottoms that were cast on site, but this had a number of downfalls. First off is the properties of the castables. When castables are placed, the temperature that they cure at can have a significant effect on their final properties. So depending on the season or time of the year, the performance may vary. Secondly, castables are mixed with water when used. This water needs to be removed before the ladle can be used. The removal of this water, both free water and chemically bonded water that has reacted with the cement in the castable, must be removed. The removal of this water requires a long and very specific dry-out schedule with specific temperatures and hold times. Most customers do not have the equipment or the time to perform this function properly. HWI's plants are set up specifically to produce precast shapes and have state-of-the-art equipment to ensure that the properties of the castable are optimized. Yeah, the, the zoning of it all is really interesting to me. I, I know that we're deviating from the realms of ergonomics, but the idea of casting a shape that utilizes multiple different brands is, is so cool. Could you give us an example of that? Yeah, Griffin. Uh, not only do we use multiple castables sometimes in a shape, for example, ladle bottoms we make for a number of customers. We use uh, one castable for the impact uh, area where the steel stream hits that has a great erosion characteristic and if we need corrosion resistance or maybe strength we can use another castable and then in non-critical areas or lower wear areas we can use a lower cost castable to create the most cost efficient solution for our customers. One other area where we do this in a lot of places is we may even use both brick and castables in combination with each other depending on what gives the best properties for that application. So why do we stop at starter rings and ladle bottoms? Why don't we just make the entire ladle out of precast or assembled pieces and just drop it in like a sleeve and not have to have our customers lay a single brick? Well Griffin, the answer to that is we don't stop at just the starter ring. As an HWI continues to innovate, that has been the next evolution of ladle lining concepts. We currently supply to a number of customers ladle shapes that incorporate both the ladle bottom and the sidewall as one monolithic shape. We continue to push towards the goal of minimal components to line a ladle. Of course, with that being said, there are some limitations, those being the ability to transport the shape, the handling capacities, both at our facilities and a customer's facilities, and the material limitations. Another assembled part that often comes up in this discussion is welded jams. Mark, do you want to educate on what a jam is and where they used? The only jam I know goes with my peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, well, we're talking a little bit different cut type of jam there, but uh, I do like a peanut butter and jam sandwich. 
In the steel industry, the electric arc furnace, commonly referred to as an EAF, is one of the methods used to melt the steel. At the end of this EAF is the slag door, where the slag is removed from the furnace by tilting the furnace back. The slag door is a rectangular shaped short tunnel through the sidewall of the furnace. This area sees a buildup of slag that periodically needs to be removed. Removal of this slag buildup is by mechanical means and can lead to the brick in this area being dislodged or knocked out during this cleaning process. Basically what they do is they use a, a sort of a ram attachment on the end of a tow motor and either pull or push it uh, back into the furnace. I mean, so the, it's the entire, the entire tunnel is moving, right? Correct. There are actually two areas of the slag door that see a lot of abuse and damage during the campaign of the furnace. The first area is the jams, as you mentioned in your question. These are the sidewalls of the slag door and tunnel. The second area is the breast. This is the horizontal area or the floor of the slag door and tunnel. Both of these areas see a tremendous amount of mechanical abuse during the removal of the built up slag. Since this is an opening in the sidewall of the furnace, there is no way to securely lock the brick in, unlike the other areas of the furnace which are keyed in. The slag door and tunnel area is typically around four to five feet wide and about four feet high. The brick used to line this area can be up to 30 inches long and they weigh quite a bit. They can weigh up to 50 pounds or so. Laying these heavy bricks in a tight area like the slag tunnel can lead to poor body positioning, which has the potential for injuries to occur, especially strain type injuries. Another challenge of this area is since you are bricking around an opening, it becomes fairly time consuming due to the amount of cutting and fitting of the brick that is required. So what's the deal with uh, assembling it all beforehand? By pre-assembling the jam or the breast jam before installation, requires some special manufacturing uh, products and processes that have been developed by HWI and allows us to deliver to the customer a shape that is easier to install in the customer's furnace while reducing the stress on the brick layer. Pre-assembling the breast and the jam assembly not only makes the installation easier but also reduces the installation time and makes for a much stronger installation that re reduces the amount of maintenance that is required in this area of the furnace throughout the campaign. But surely this is just an example of having group B put the bricks together instead of group A, right? Well there is a difference. By pre-assembling and shipping to the customer as a complete unit allows us to use some special products and processes that would not be possible during a conventional field installation. To start with, we use brick that are slightly different. The brick used are what we call co-molded brick. They have a thin steel plate that is pressed into the top and the bottom surface of the brick during the manufacturing. These plates allow for a steel casing to be welded to the brick. As I just mentioned, the brick have a thin steel casing that encapsulates the brick and is welded to the brick. This steel casing then allows each brick to be welded to the brick adjacent to it. In addition to welding the brick together, other steel work is added. There are steel lifting straps that allow the whole assembly to be welded to the shell of the furnace. Also in making these assemblies, to improve the ergonomics, during the manufacturing process, we use specially made tables and jigs when assembling these shapes. 
So you mentioned earlier that, that during the deslagging process in the EAF that the bricks are commonly dislodged. Um, and, and the coal molding process prevents that? Uh, not so much the coal molding, but the case the casing process does, uh, Griffin. The casing is a thin steel, like 20, uh, what is 22 gauge sheet of steel that is wrapped like around the brick. But if you just wrapped it, it nothing would hold it to the bricks. So by having that coal molded plate, steel plate, um, that's pressed into the top and the bottom surface uh, that gives you something to weld the casing to so now the whole brick is encased in steel so initially the coal molding uh, process was developed for like the cone area of a BOF and same principle was involved you know when the cone gets a lot of buildup from the oxygen that's being injected so they have to come in there with like a grate all a grant machine and pry all that uh steel and slag off of the cone in a bof so back in the i guess it would be the 90s we came up with coal molding brick where we press those plates in now in the coal molding process or disusing coal molded brick because they're laying on top of each other when they get up to temperatures like steel making temperatures they basically those plates weld themselves you know the one on the top surface of the brick below and the bottom surface of the brick on top of it they weld themselves together uh, and locked sort of locked the whole cone and made it one big monolith but because it's only on the top and the bottom and it doesn't come all the way out to the edge, you wouldn't be able to weld that. So that's where we go to the case, casing, steel casing around the brick. So we can weld each brick uh, like on the side at the seam or the joint between the bricks layers. That's such a cool little example, though, because, you know, with, with those bricks, these bricks aren't, aren't fully fired right before they go to the plant. They're just burned uh well in the case of yeah what we're using f for the mm -hmm. jams and uh th those are all mag carbon bricks so they're a resin bonded brick so yeah since they're not going through a high temperature process the uh you can, you can just press the plates in there only basically heat it to uh what three 350 degrees i believe it is you know for a short time just to set the resin in those brick couldn't quite do that with a fire Co cor correct correct <laughs> i think the jam assembly is one of the most unique applications of functional products that hwi offers i mean it's a bunch of brick that have been joined together so the installers don't have to what's stopping hwi from offering this in all application installations why don't customers just ask us to brick a manway and ship that over to them well, in the case of the welded assemblies, one of the things that makes this possible is that the brick used in these shapes are resin bonded mag carbon brick, which don't need to go through a high temperature firing in the manufacturing process of, of the brick. This allows for the steel plates that are part of the coal molding to be used. Though the coal molded would only work with a resin bonded brick, this is not to say that this is the only way to make a pre-assembled shape. As we discussed earlier, with the pre-assembled ladle starter rings, these shapes are epoxied together using special epoxies that are typically stronger than the brick they are joining together. We have also combined brick with precast shapes to come up with single piece assemblies that combine the best properties of both products. In my opinion, there are many applications where pre-assembling the refractory components could lead to many benefits to the customer in the way of improved ergonomics, easier and faster installations, and improved installation. In my opinion, 
one of the reasons that more shapes are not being preassembled is that man has been laying brick for generations and when you have done something one way for as long as brick have been being laid it is sometimes hard to imagine a new way of doing something at hwi we are always looking to innovate new solutions that will drive industry i have always said that if you can imagine it we can probably make it i think the installation is a great point i mean especially because precast and pre-assembled items are so commonly used in the steel industry where anytime you have to take down a ladle to reline it, that's money you're not making, right? So they're really, they were the first to say like, hey, we got to spend less time installing and more time working. And I, I can't wait for the rest of the industry to catch up and, and see the potential of, of functional products in their industries as well. Right, yeah. And, you know, and it really is sort of interesting because like if when you look at like the welded breast jam assemblies, uh, I'm trying to remember who the first one to use that was, but especially when you're casing all that brick, you know, there's a lot of labor involved. I did an analysis one time. Um, the amount of brick, the same amount of brick that goes into like a jam to do like that slide to, you know, paying about three times as much. But that's an area that's always time consuming in the furnace and becomes a real maintenance headache. And Initially, there was some customers that had the foresight to, you know, they were like, yeah, that we can cut that time off. Time is money. But other ones, well, I, I'm not going to pay three times as much. But I'm really started to see here, especially more recently, a lot more customers as they are really starting to jump on that bandwagon. We're seeing a lot more demand for like pre-assembled welded jam assemblies. And that's probably one thing since steel prices right now are sort of record levels. Anytime you're down for a reline, you're, uh, you're not making money. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I do hope we'll be able to talk more about HWI's functional product offerings in the future. I know there's a lot more than just ergonomic efficiency in mind when coming up with these, and I love the topic because you're only limited by your imagination. And we have some really creative people working on these to make some truly cool-looking and surprising products. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about these items, the Mular, or anything else about refractory ergonomics, reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com. And if you haven't smashed that subscribe button by now, I have to ask, what have you been waiting for? Regardless, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next month.